So as someone who's an introvert, um, and you like being behind the camera, I'm sure like that is a Instagram or 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 media because it's on your own terms, on your own time. That's got to feel pretty good to to be able to use your own personality traits or type, however you want to call introversion or extroversion, and you do it on your pace and you get to get what you want out of it, but not what you don't. That's got to be pretty cool. I think it's actually pretty cool. I didn't, you know, I looking back, choosing this career, I wish somebody had helped me sort through that, you know, like how huh. a, a career that's really social versus one that's not social. Because when I taught, I taught at the college here for nine years, taught undergraduate kinesiology courses. And with the seniors in their internship class, we would do this thing called the strong inventory. It's sort of like a personality test, but oh, helps yeah, you yeah. with kind of career navigation. And I, uh, I took it myself and it was interesting that you know, I did score high in physical therapy, but I scored higher in things like biology, just doing research or something where it's sort of because of that social um, it, leaning towards introversion kind of aspect. But I feel lucky in that social media and education through these online platforms really works well for my personality. You know, it would be much more draining. It was much more draining when I was up in front of people educating. Being able to provide educational content behind a camera kind of gives me a little bit of a barrier from that energy drain. So it's uh, it's actually the perfect thing for me. Wow. Uh, excited to get into this conversation with Tom Walters. Been following him on Instagram for a while now, at Rehab Science. He makes good information, easy to digest, easy to understand for clinicians, for the general public, for, let's just say for people. He makes information fun and easy to understand for people about, wait for it, Rehab Science, which is also the title of his new book. Yeah, Rehab Science, How to Overcome Pain and Heal from Injury. It also doubles as a weight because this thing is almost 500 pages at 496 pages. We get into... Well, we get into a lot of things. We actually wrap on the book. We, we put the book to the end almost. Um, but we talk about things like how to utilize social media, how he sort of got into it as a sideways by accident happenstance thing, and what he's been doing with a platform that big. We get into general and specific therapeutic exercise, manual therapy. Ooh, we talk about manual therapy. Um, and then we talk about, about the book, why he did it, how he structured it the way he did. He even prefaced it when I asked him to be on the show by saying, hey, this is really a book for the general public. It's sort it's it, like, you know, part of the audience could be clinicians. I just said, look, I'm just excited to see why you did this. Why would you take the time, the effort, the energy to put together such a big, huge resource? And I think in the end, you're you might actually want to have this book handy as a cool reference to reference to other people in your life, personally or professionally, about what he put in there. Uh, so, uh, so take a, a listen to today's episode. I'm excited for you. MW Therapy, want to say we wouldn't be able to have the show without them. They deliver modern all-in-one outpatient EMR with the built-in patient portal, marketing automation, and billing features you want, the value you deserve. MWTherapy.com or switching your EMR is easy. Plus, ATI helping us keep a, the, uh, the pirate ship afloat here. One of the leaders in clinical research within the PT profession is ATI with more than 900 of their clinics placed in the 100th percentile in CMS's merit-based incentive program for the second consecutive year. Hit ATIPT.com if you want to join their team and jumpstart your new career. That is ATIPT.com. And if you want to go around the country and do your thing, providing awesome adventures in patient care for PTs who care about where they're going, that's Jackson Therapy Partners. Find them online at jacksontherapy.com. Without further ado, and you can tell, I love me some ado, 
Uh, let's hit the show. Bam! All right. I'm going to hit record now, and then I'm going to do a little razzle-dazzle. You ready for razzle-dazzle? Ready. How did I sell it? That was pretty razzle-dazzle, that intro, right? That's the best razzle-dazzle intro I've seen from anyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom, welcome to the show, man. I'm excited to talk with you. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be on here. And, uh, you know, I know I've known of you for a while, and it's always cool that it's not in person, but you kind of get to know someone better, so it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, excited to talk. First questions, if you listen to the show at all, you know we get the very tough questions out of the way first. Right. What are you drinking it. today? What are you drinking today, if anything? We have a little bit of time difference, so I'm not sure, you know, you're you're on you're on the West Coast. So uh, what are you drinking now or what would you be drinking if you were uh, having a drink? Yeah, I thought about that because real I realized obviously, you know, the pint cast. I, it's a little boring right now. I've just got coffee, but it's only noon here and I've got to pick my daughters up. So I can't get too crazy. That's right. Uh, That's right. But normally, you know, I'm a I am a big beer fan. I kind of got more into lagers and pilsners. And there's I'm out in Santa Barbara, California, and our our air code is 805. There's an 805 kind of beer here that um, some people see around. And yeah, I don't know. Anywhere I go, I'm kind of looking for those kind of lighter beers. I went through an IPA phase for a while, but I've yeah, gone back to the lighter stuff. So yeah, me too. Uh, I'm doing something local. It's as you mentioned uh, here on the East Coast in, in upstate uh, Hudson Valley, New York. It's um, Newberg Brewing Company. It's just guys down the street, and they always like mess around with stuff. And I kind of like go in there and be like, "What's weird, man? Like, what did you guys get into last month?" And you brewed, and let's let's taste that stuff. So so cheers to that. Well, cheers yep. to you, Tom, for your coffee. I'll yeah, man. Yes, here. yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always um, fun. Whenever I'm traveling, it's always neat to try a local brew somewhere. Yeah. Uh, first round brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science, Johnny and my team, uh, certifying PTs and rehab professionals in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. You were a PT for Cirque du Soleil. That, I mean, you want to talk about range of motion norms. I'm pretty sure you just crumple those up and throw them out on the first day, right? Oh, totally out the window. Yeah, we uh, the show I was on uh, had four contortionists this team that did these kind of crazy stack they would stack on top of each other sort of they would hyper extend their spine to where their butt was basically on their pel or, i mean their head was on their pelvis wow. and uh they could do some crazy stuff but yeah it's uh it's so much hypermobility and just i mean amazing what those people can do how do you how do you get into a a position like that is it you know like what, what was like sort of the evolution like real brief like how do you how do you get to that because that ain't Run, nothing's run of the mill there, I would assume. Yeah. You know, Cirque du Soleil, I, you know, we were talking about before we started recording, I, um, after two years of kind of standard ortho practice, realized I need to do something a little more stimulating. This is going to burn me out. And Cirque du Soleil, I don't know how I found it. Uh, oh, I'll tell you, I know how I found it. What am I talking about? I actually applied to be an art uh, performer for Cirque du Soleil. So I grew up, as a martial artist and a gymnast, and I went and tried out to be a performer for Cirque du Soleil. And that was how my yeah. first intro to them. So it was a crazy experience. I showed up in Vegas at a gymnastics school with, there were 75 other people. The world champion sumo wrestler was there. Uh, there was a troupe from Africa that did all these. It was a day of eclectic talents, which are all their gymnasts and martial artists. And so I had to have a two minute routine and they called numbers and I randomly was called first. So everybody sits down around this gymnastics mat and I had to do this routine and they're and, watching. Uh, a watching yeah so it was nerve-wracking uh to say the least and 
it was a cool experience, but I didn't get in um, for the martial arts position. And then I realized they have about three practitioners, a combination of physios and athletic trainers in each show. And so the next year I applied for that and it was kind of a lengthy, uh, they have a lot of applicants for those positions and uh, kind of a three-part interview. And ultimately I didn't have a lot of athletic training, kind of emergency on the field experience, but I had a lot of manual therapy stuff and that was uh, appealing to them. So yeah, it was a, it was an amazing job. I had to leave it pretty fast because my wife, was turned out we found out she was pregnant with our first child right after I got in and I would have to commute to this job six days a week it just wasn't realistic but it was amazing for the time I was with it and cool experience were were you like on the were you on this on site on sidelines I mean I'm, I'm sure you got to see just some just some unique preparation and then presentation of a physical gift Yeah, no, it was an unbelievable experience in your shift about four hours of it half your shift is treating the performers, they come in and kind of work out and you'd work on them. They'd sign up for spots, you know, like half hour sessions. And the other four hours, I was in Vegas when I started. Uh, I was hired for an LA-based show uh, called Iris. And they, Circus Lake creates all their shows at their headquarters in Montreal. But before I went to Montreal, I was in Vegas for a little while. And yeah, basically you'd work on people. And then for half of, for the other half of the shift, you'd be watching the show from kind of these cool backstage areas in case somebody did fall or something yeah. happened. And you know, so it was really neat. And then when I was in Montreal at the headquarters, it's just this amazing, huge warehouse with a cafeteria and all these different training rooms. They, I mean, all their shows are created there. So they fly everyone in and you're there for eight weeks and then they load the whole show up on 18 wheelers and take it to whatever city. So wow. pretty cool. That is cool. Well, yeah. good for you for getting that experience. Well, you, you sort of started off by saying, you know, you knew staying in the clinic environment a hundred percent of the time wasn't going to be, you know, you, I think, going sidelines for Cirque du Soleil sort of, you know, is, is, is a little bit of a nod to that. Uh, you got a decently large platform. I think when you go seven figures uh, on a, on a social platform that, uh, that qualifies as, de- as decently large, that's got to, it brings, it, it, it makes me think of that Spider-Man quote, right? With great power comes mm. great responsibility. And I bet you that, you know, I did an Oxford debate at, at, at APTA's next conference on that sort of prompt, which is, you know, what is the, is uh, social media hazardous for the pre- profession of, of physical mm-hmm. therapy? So just, let's just talk about some positive and negative acts as, aspects. Let's do negatives first. So we, we okay. end on positives, right? Cause we want to focus yep. on the positive, but you and I both share that, that view that there is immense power in messaging, mm-hmm. in education. My personal views is really only two things you can do with content. You can educate someone or you can entertain them. And that bonus thing is, Hey, if you can do both at the same time, that's the really magic power. So, so when, when, when you're asked or when this topic comes up, what are some of the negative aspects that, that you see? Yeah, I think probably the negative, uh, and I think the positives outweigh the negatives, but I think obviously that's why I keep doing it. But I think the negative that probably comes to my mind most of the time is that somebody would look at physical therapy related social media posts and think this is all physical therapy is you know like right. i do a lot of these carousel posts you know today was on spondylolisthesis and it's like okay here's spondylolisthesis here's a kind of a short description about it and a few exercises you can swipe through and look at now i know sometimes people think oh this is physical therapy it's just these it's just a bunch of general ex- you know it's just a bunch of exercises uh mm-hmm. you know they i think the public the risk is that they come away from that not really knowing how comprehensive and complex and uh, detailed our evaluation process is. And 
you know, from movement testing to palpation to what the physical therapist really knows about musculoskeletal medicine. I think sometimes people could uh, sort of underestimate what we know. And so that to me is the tricky part. I don't, I'm saying that so often to people in comments that, hey, it's hard for me to give really accurate suggestions because I haven't performed an evaluation. And I think people don't even, until you've been to a good PT and had a good experience, with how detailed an evaluation is, I think people just don't know what they don't know. So that to yeah. me is probably a negative. Also, of course, there are accounts, I really try not to do this, but there are accounts that are very nocebic and sort of fear-mongering out there in our world, um, different rehabilitation practitioners. So of course, that's a negative too, where rather than empowering people and helping them understand how robust their system is, you're making them feel like they're fragile and you know, something's going to break down uh, if, you know, they move in a certain way or do a certain exercise. So those are probably the big negatives to me. But before we move on, in, in terms of that first negative, right, which which yeah. sort of lends, which sort of makes people should, what to, I think, should, let's do that again. What I think they should take away from it is you can really only see so much with a post or a video. It, it's sort of this very myopic view, right? But you can't be, you can't have peripheral vision with, post. So how do you, how do you fight that? Is it, I mean, you create so much content, so you're giving small little views, but so many of them, if you put them together, how else, you know, how, how can people out there listening, starting it, practitioners starting into create content, how could they maybe fight that from, from the beginning and, and, and sort of bake that into the cake? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's probably using all the different features together of these different yeah. platforms, you know, to me, there's a place for each platform. And I think Instagram is a very quick, fast, people just want to see boom, boom, boom. What do I yep. need to get from this? Like what? And then you look at something like YouTube where you can narrate videos and describe them and really get into more of the nuance and help people understand what's going on. Uh, you know, just understand all the details better. I think, you know, I try to use, you know, you try to have a, a lot of people don't read as I've done this long. I feel like nobody reads the actual post. They just look at the video, whatever it is. So. I know. You know, yeah. it's amazing. So, but I think, you know, having some content there, because there definitely are some people who read that, trying to, you know, kind of explain as much as you can there. Using, I try to use like the story, different things like that, just to talk more. I'll do videos where I'll, you know, today's post is on this, just, you know, just kind of talk through it a little bit. And, you know, not everybody sees that. that, but I feel like if you hit enough of those spots, hopefully people get kind of an idea of, okay, this is just a quick, superficial kind of brush stroke of what physical therapy is. And, you know, it can be, there's much more to it if you actually go see someone or just in terms of what physical therapists actually know. Yeah. Let's look at the good end. I like, I like how we went negative first. I always want to end on the positive. So <laughs> yeah. in terms of positives, you said the positives outweighed the negatives. Talk about some of those that you've experienced sharing information on such a pretty, a pretty large scale. I think the biggest is that you run across people, you, you, can have interactions with people around the world who don't always have access to care uh, or whether it doesn't exist in their country or it's too expensive. I mean, 25% yeah. of my followers on YouTube are in India, you know, and they have, you know, not a lot of access. So it's amazing to put content out that we know as physical therapists is very general and kind of superficial. There's no evaluation. There's no manual therapy. There's no specific kind of exercise prescription, but you see these kind of general posts for a condition really help people. And I've had right. 
messages as people were, you know, they, somebody was going to go have surgery for like patellofemoral pain or something and fly somewhere, have surgery and started doing exercises from a post and get better. You know, you just see, you hear these amazing stories. So I think the ability to reach people and positively impact them is the biggest positive to me. I also think, again, a lot of the public doesn't know what really goes into physical therapy, what we do, or a lot of them have had bad experiences with just how healthcare is kind of run now, uh, how different clinics are run. And I think it's, to me, social media is a great place to promote the profession and kind of help people understand what we actually know and what we can do. And so those are probably the big ones to me. What I take away from your account uh, at Rehab Science, we'll put it in the show notes too, is you do, I think you do a good job of using the tools or features of a platform to show the benefits, not tell the benefits. And I, I did a presentation not long ago called Friends with Benefits, where I mm-hmm. said, listen, are you a friend with features or are you a friend with benefits? And if you want to just talk about features, I have a degree, it costs this much, it took me this long to get, and I got certifications and I know how to do this, this, this. None of those show me the future me. None of those show me what I could do with that. And I think you're, what you do is you show in a general way, because I haven't seen you because that's not how these cameras work, right? When you're, mm-hmm, when you're mm-hmm. recording a video, it's like, you know, try this. This is general, mm-hmm. but give it a shot. And you, you know yeah. the things that you're sharing could help or have a good likelihood. So I think what I take away from what you do is you are more show than tell. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's a cool way of looking at it. I agree. I mean, I think... Yeah, because I'm not really spending a lot of time like, oh, physical therapists know this and these are the degrees we have and all this. It's just you just show what we know and you do enough of that over time and people come away. You look at that, all of that information, all those posts over that time period. I think people look at and they're like, whoa, physical therapists actually know quite quite a bit and can really help me with these issues. That's that's really the only way. Well, it's not the only way because you could tell people. But if you really want people to know and feel something, for me, it's a show. Right. Mm-hmm. Show and tell day was the best day in third grade because you got to bring something in. If there wasn't that bring this thing in, it was kind of like, I'm going to tell you about this cool thing I have. It's like, now I'm going to show you, then I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to make you feel it. I'm going to talk about benefits versus just features. Right. So, yeah. so you mentioned general and specific and mm-hmm. an access issue. So let's talk about that general versus specific therapeutic exercise. And I, you know, the question was just general exercise. I was going to ask, does general exercise have a place? And I feel like you sort of, you sort of tackled that, which is like, yeah, it has its place. It's a great top of funnel. If you want to look at it from a a marketing angle or like, Hey, it's a great way to get people to uh, know you like you, and then maybe eventually trust you. Right. If you want to look at the the different levels and the funnels of, of how um, engagement works. So general versus specific therapeutic exercise, that topic comes up and sometimes it can be contentious. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two different things and where do they cross over? Yeah, I, I think uh, these years on social media have been uh, educational for me in terms of thinking about this more because probably before all this, I would have been more in the boat of the people who sometimes criticize what I'm doing of saying, you know, this isn't tailored to anyone. You haven't done an evaluation, you know, because I do hear that from PTs sometimes and I get it. And I probably would have thought more like that. But now after doing this for this long, I think, and I think the way research has kind of gone in the profession, I was just talking to someone about this, you know, our tests aren't that special. And I don't think our exercise is always that special. Like when it comes to pain, if you just get the person moving in a way that's not threatening to their system and gradually load them over time, people usually get better. And so I think there's a lot of power in just kind of helping figure out 
okay, you've got pain in this body region and maybe it's in this part of this body region. It could be these things. Let's just try and start introducing some stress in graded doses. And here's kind of some things you can try and try to help them understand, okay, well, here's some ways you could modify this or you could take it out or whatever, like just kind of educate them on the principles behind it rather than, you know, the exact specific things for their situation. To me, I've seen over the years that that, that is really powerful. And granted, you know, I really would like to do a study on this and really look at information over social media in physical therapy and look at, you know, maybe sure. be able to validate it or measure it in some way and see what kind of influence this actually has. Because of course, I'm probably mostly getting people responding back who've had positive things happen. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, oh, this didn't help. And hopefully they just go see someone or, you know, I don't end up hearing a lot of negatives of like, you know, because that is a worry sometimes. Like, what if I put this stuff out there? I think some practitioners worry if I put this out there, what if somebody gets they get sore or hurt and they're mad about, you know, that right. content you put out? And I haven't had that experience really, but I think it probably points to what you just talked about a little bit that over time people kind of get to know you and then there's almost like a digital rapport and i think yeah. they feel like they'll cut you some slack if something they feel a little sore or something or something doesn't go quite right uh because i haven't really had and i didn't start showing exercises in the beginning of being on social media you know I, not because i was a conscious choice i just just how i started you know it was really more educational on kind of pain and kinesiology and i wasn't uh, it was more education i wasn't showing someone like hey here's five exercises to do. So maybe that slow ramp up kind of allowed people to get to know me and build some kind of rapport. And then when I started showing movements, it was okay. Maybe it made it more okay. We talk about that access issue and that's an interesting way to look at analytics, which is like, you know, with things like YouTube, you can figure out where are these views or where are these, these subscribers coming from. And you want to talk about an access issue, not just, as you mentioned, 25% of your audience coming from India, you can get really rural in this country if you drive just a few hours from any major city. And you want to talk about access uh, geographically, access financially, um, access through this uh, insurance system that we have in, in in this country for better or for worse, probably for worse. Um, but this is a good it's a way to make uh, good work well known, uh, a great mm -hmm. gateway. And, and it feels like you're removing that gate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is unbelievable. Like you said, even in our country, I mean, the number of times people will DM me and had, I'll often take people's zip codes and go on to APTA on the find a PT thing and try to find oh. who's in their area. You know, I'll do that sometimes for people. And it is, you know, sometimes people have to go a, a long ways yeah. to find a certified specialist. So it does make you realize even in our country in r more rural areas where there might not, you know, something like this can sometimes it's kind of unfortunate that yes. social media posts can sometimes be you know best care someone has access to it's you know because when you you know when you come from good pt you know what they what you really could be doing if you could see them in person uh but yeah i think it, it does kind of open up the door to people in all different types of places around the world to being able to kind of learn more about their bodies, learn more about pain and injury and, and just, you know, how much power, you know, how much they can do on their own just with movement and education. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, one thing you brought up before 
that we haven't figured out how to do just yet, but give the computer people just a couple of months or week, uh, months or years, I'll do it, which is manual therapy. You mentioned that's one thing we can't do this digital. So in, in your mind or your, from your view, where does that fit into, into practice? I, you know, I came from a pretty involved manual therapy background. And so I was definitely very heavy manual therapy early in my career. I mean, this clinic I was at, we would pretty much every session was just manual therapy as individuals came in and then they would do exercise with like an aid or something, you know, but so it was just the PTs were only doing manual therapy. And, you know, I think that was use, use, very useful in the beginning because it, um, it helped me, I think, see how powerful manual therapy could be in terms of helping to reduce sensitivity and pain early in the process. And I would think of it as a way to kind of jumpstart people into yeah. movement and exercise because, I mean, I know for me personally, my wife's a PT and if I have something that's hurting and she works on it just for five to 10 minutes, it having that reduction in pain makes it so much easier to get into kind of a movement and exercise program. Whereas if I only try to tackle that issue with movement and exercise, and again, it depends on the issue, right? But sure. some things, if I just go straight to the movement and exercise, it will in time, it will eventually get better, but it definitely seems like that little bit of manual can definitely, it can speed it up. So I really do feel like there's a place for manual therapy. And I know this is a, you know, a kind of a heated topic, but I think there's research to support that. And I just think it has to come with this narrative of this isn't something that you have to keep coming back for. I'm not creating dependency with this. It's not a meant to just kind of get you out of pain. And then you do the movement exercise, which has that good long-term evidence for keeping you healthy and out of pain and reducing injury risk. So, uh, you know, to me, manual therapy is, um, I think some, you know, I just think it's an, um, it's a useful part of our practice. I was going to say important, but maybe useful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think even, you know, I started in PT school in 2013 and things, I don't know, maybe it's just who I was exposing myself to, right? It seems very polarized. And I feel like mm -hmm. now we've sort of crept back to the middle, which is things tend to regress towards that middle, right? Where people aren't saying it's just this or that. It's this, neither that. It's this over that. It's more, well, it's probably a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, short term mm -hmm. uh, uh, use. And the goal should be towards m getting that person moving and self-efficacy and not creating what you just said, which is a dependency. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think it just, there's so much nuance to it, to what we do and what interventions we implement and what we prescribe. I mean, I think you look at like tendinopathy. Well, yeah, I don't do as much manual therapy on tendinopathies anymore. I mean, maybe like somebody, you know, maybe you're doing some soft tissue on the muscle belly, but that's mostly just loading the tendon. Like those people are, aren't to me a lot of manual therapy anymore, but I think there's a lot of other pain related issues that do respond really well to joint mobilizations and soft tissue work. And, you know, but it's just a little bit, I do weigh less, uh, the amount of time I'd spend in a session is less now than it would have been, you know, maybe back before it was 30 minutes plus with some people. I think now I'd maybe work on something really specific for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and then start getting them kind of moving and um, kind of cueing them through movement. So, yeah, but it, I do agree the pendulum swings like crazy uh, on these topics, but it does feel like we're coming out of that really anti-manual therapy thing and coming back a little bit uh, to the center. As, as all of our professors, I'm sure, said in PT school, well, it probably depends. You know, it's somewhere, it's neither this, it probably depends, which we actually started putting on t-shirts because 
people were just using the term. So, and I love when I, when I started to, after I graduated and I was actually able to use that term, I said, well, now I feel like I belong because I've gotten to tell people, well, it depends. I don't even think I need to ask my next question because I feel like, Hmm. I feel like you've outlined it, which is, Hey, rehab science, how to overcome pain and heal from injury. It's more, it's more for the lay audience, right? Less for the clinician, that book that you, that you created, um, I was going to ask why'd you do it, but I feel like everything we've talked about till now is sort of outlined, maybe anyway, mm-hmm. why you decided to sit down and put pen to paper also with some great pictures, which I appreciate that really illustrate and and show a, an idea. So I'll ask it anyway. Why'd you decide to take on an undertaking like this and and then give people a little high level on what it is, what, what they can expect? Yeah, it, I mean, it really is. I think it was motivated from this feeling of I can't cover all the nuance on social media and people come looking for things and can't find them. It's hard to search yeah. for a topic. You know, someone would be like, Did, would you do a post on tennis elbow? I'm like, I've done it like eight times. You just got to scroll Where down. Where is it? Bit. Yeah, totally. So I think, you know, I've tried to do different hashtags for different body regions. It's just, you know, it's just hard for people to find stuff and you can't cover everything in the detail you want. So, you know, to me, a book is a really neat, opportunity it was a great opportunity like i was excited about to be able to take your knowledge and put it in something physical you can hold is pretty fun but it was really like how can i mainly mainly this we were thinking about the general population like how can i create this this resource for them that helps them understand these topics in more detail you know pain injury and these different conditions and then movements they could start incorporating to try and kind of uh you know to have sort of this self-guided resource that they could pick up and, you know, almost like a coffee table, like almost like an encyclopedia of injuries that you gives you actual, you know, it's almost like WebMD, but it's like actually has programs because WebMD will tell you all about it. And then an intervention just says physical therapy, right? So like now you actually have a program with pictures of me doing the movements. And so that was a huge motivation for it. And, you know, so, but we also were thinking about movement and medical practitioners. So I, probably 60% of the focus was on the general population, but there was the thought of movement medical practitioners. I know in the, in over the years and teaching different courses, I would see that a lot of movement practitioners really valued what the knowledge we had as PT. So yoga practitioners, trainers, Pilates instructors, and right. And that's a tricky line to walk of, you know, not trying to make everyone else a PT, but help them, you know, they're interacting with people in pain and with injuries. So you'd like to help them help those people. So, the book that was um a thought too i think new clinicians i know when i went to pt school a lot of the therapy exercise course was like oh you'll fit you'll learn that in your affiliations (laughs) you know so i think to me this is really a therapeutic exercise book which i think for new pts new chiropractors like it's a cool resource for them i've had a physiatrist different medic doctors buy it so you know i think it can be for both groups and for it's really, it's got a lot of research in it. There's about 500 research citations. That's about a month on PubMed, just wow. all day, a lot of coffee, just on PubMed searching for things. But, uh, you know, it's basically the book is sort of organized. So the first five chapters are pain science. So, yep. but again, you know, cause we know as clinicians, there's explain pain, explain pain, supercharge. There's these great books for clinicians. And I know a lot of the general population has seen explain pain in their little notebooks, but I definitely wanted to knowing the size of this platform, put more out there about pain and try and write it in a way that just the average person can understand pain. And because I think we know as PTs, when you know a little bit about pain, you don't freak out as much when you have pain. You know, you like, oh, it's 
probably just I kind of tweak something. It's not like I'm, I don't, you know, I probably didn't damage something or really injure myself. It's just, you know, there's so many, right, people that come into PT that just kind of have these little tweaks and irritations. So I think, you know, the first five chapters kind of cover what is pain, how does the pain system work, types of pain, things like that. And then chapters six through 10 are injury. And chapter six is about separating pain for injury because we know people think pain means injury all the time. So trying to help them kind of break that apart. And then all the back section is rehab. So it's, um, you know, all the programs. So I, I just tried to cover the 50 most common conditions that for me, I had seen most often in practice and break them down by body region. So essentially people can kind of flip to, you know, you could flip to like the shoulder and there'll be programs for frozen shoulder, rotator cuff pain, shoulder instability, biceps tendinopathy. So people can look at that, kind of look at where the symptoms are, kind of read the description of the condition, the signs and symptoms, aggravating factors, and kind of, you know, I think there'll be people that come in with a diagnosis who are like, I just want to know some things to do. There'll be some people who are like, I just hurt in this region. What is it? And they can go to that body region, kind of read. And not that I'm trying to tell everyone, just don't go to PT, self-diagnose and just work on yourself. But I do think there's a ton with education and movement that you can do on your own. Yeah. I mean, and if you know people are using Dr. Google um, and you can give them a better resource, I don't know if anybody would argue with that. Again, I mean, you're saying, I'm, I'm not saying don't see a PT or a massage therapist or mm -hmm. one of these other practitioners. Um, it is some people prefer to, and I feel like this is coming full, full circle, right? When we started with talking about different types of media that is social, some people digest things they don't want to read. They want to watch. They go to that, they yeah. go to that, that type of, of media and they, they utilize that channel. If someone wants to go deep and at pretty much 500 pages, rehab science is pretty deep. You mentioned the word encyclopedia, uh, for the younger kids. Encyclopedias were these sets of books and they were listed in alphabetical. <laughs> um, but it feels a little encyclopedic. Um, mm -hmm. and you mentioned how it was yeah. set up pain, injury, rehab. And really it's yeah. like, what is it factors? How to you know, injury yep. types, timelines, factors, how to, and then rehab that third beefier segment, which is the 50 things you saw by segment. Here's some things you can start. We're, we know it's a book, man. It's, it's, you know, it's general, but here's some things you should try dot, dot, dot. A PT mm -hmm. is probably another provider you might want to try out if this doesn't solve your issue. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, I know, again, there are PTs that worry sometimes about me kind of putting out these types of programs, but I think it's more positive for the profession than not because it helps people understand what we know. And I think over, there are lots of times in the book that we have these little call-out boxes, call-out boxes on when to seek professional help. And I just think, you know, that's covered in there. We, I didn't cover any post-surgical conditions. Like there, of course, like there's so many things, just go see someone. It's way better to get an right. individualized program, have someone track you, see what your symptoms are, your impairments. But I think right. putting this kind of information out helps the public understand what PTs really know. And if someone, I think most people intuitively, if they don't get better, probably will try to go see someone or do something, you know, and it, and the book talks about that. It's a gateway drug to a PT. Like, wouldn't it be great if we could use it as that? Like, hey man, come over here. I'll give you a little check, check out this little resource. I mean, really, but look, look at what this is. I bet you, if you followed Tom on social media, you've probably covered all these topics at one point or another, if you scrolled, right. But what you did was, is you did the effort and you solved it all and you put it all together in one resource. Well, if you want to go backwards, take that resource, freeze it, smash it into a million little ice cubes. And you could share that too. It's good information. And yep. it's got some pretty pictures, as I mentioned. Uh, yeah, did, you know that, pretty picture. 
Did you know that we share physical therapy DNA? You and I, physical therapy DNA, like family tree. No, we what were both taught. We were both taught by Sky Donovan. She was our prof she oh. was your professor and mine. I was wondering if that would be the connection because I know she's out there now. She's awesome. She is like, yeah, she was at Chapman, and I don't know why they were in California for that time. But I think she's from Virginia or the East Coast somewhere. She's from but Jersey. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, from Jerry. Okay. Yeah. That is amazing. She's awesome. She was one of my favorite people, just like the best personality. We had a few of them that were just a good time and she's one of them. That's awesome. Uh, I, I did not realize I that. I her class because I was a second career student and uh, she would make nineties music and TV pop culture references. And I would be the only person laughing. I, I mean, I think she liked <laughs> that, that someone got it, but I liked it because I was like, Oh, I know that. I know that reference. Yeah, exactly. That was cool. exactly. Um, Everybody else is lost. Yeah. And I'm and and I mentioned before that Oxford debate that I did. You and I are also Oxford debate alum. What was what was your prompt? What was your what was your uh, uh, debate? Yeah, no, I was uh, I was laughing about that when you said that. I did a debate with another professor of mine who's friends with this guy named Leanne Crothers, who's in Alaska Love now. Leanne. But uh, yeah, Leanne is amazing. I Leanne. So I did. I was on a team with her uh, debating whether or not PT should be involved in wellness. Ah. So it was sort of now, now just for, kinda, yeah. for, for, for the audience, um, the Oxford debate, which by the way, I am enraged that it no longer exists. And this is something that I like, it's got to come back. I'll figure it out somehow. We got to bring this thing back. Me and you, we'll bring this thing back. But it, what it, it, what it is, is what happened was what it is, is it's uh it's two, three person teams and you're, and you're assigned to these teams, or at least I was. And then you're given a prompt, sort of this, you know, face off, this puck drop in the middle. And you're just placed. I was it was like, you're going to take one side or the other. And they're carefully, I think, carefully worded questions enough where there's, you know, there's enough meat on either side of the argument to make an argument. Mm -hmm. But now take the word debate and you have to say, well, why is there a word Oxford in front of it? Because it's going to twist it a little bit. This is very like tongue in cheek, um, you know, like you know, we're going to have some Monty Python-ish. We want you to dress up, be ridiculous, be so ridiculous to illustrate and show your point. And then the ultimate deciding factor, well, I guess there's two, which was they encourage the audience to, if they agree with what your side just said, to physically get up and move to that side of the auditorium. And when the other side gets to go, they move to your side. And then of course there's a moderator, uh, Chuck Sacone, who gets, who likes almost like whose line is it anyway, just divvies up these, ridiculous point totals and you know makes it a game and stuff like that but it was a really cool way to have an argument and i'm using air quotes for the podcast audience an argument where you were like where i think the greatest compliment was huh i came in thinking way a but way b had some really interesting i never thought about it like that moments and i think that's really all you can do is just have someone oh i never thought about it like that before but maybe maybe i'll change my mind yeah, no, they're great topics. I mean, even ours, I came away from it. I was in the pro wellness camp and I thought there's no way I'd leave this. And the other group, Rich Severn was on the other side. And oh, yeah, there yeah. Was, like some good, good arguments on that side. I was like, oh, all right, maybe I should rethink this a little bit. And it's so fun. Like you say, it's so dynamic and engaging with the audience moving and uh, just the participation with the individuals who are up on stage. I mean, it's a, it was a cool experience. Yeah. So, so I, I batted sixth out of six, right? So I was the last mm. guy to go the closer oh. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, like essentially I was like, this is my moment. I'm a, I'm a former radio broadcaster. Now I'm a PT. If there was an event designed for me, a live event, you know, with a little preparation, obviously, but I need to deliver on this. 
And as I walk up, my PowerPoint presentation, which I was going to do a lot of funny, like interacting, it froze. Oh, so no. there I am going, what do you do? What do you kind of do? So I just sort of riffed with the audience as I'm looking over at the tech guys on the left going, I need one of you guys to reboot. I can I can stretch for about a minute or two, but you got to help me out. And then I keep this on on uh, on speed dial. But at the end, I got to stage dive. And that's my Al Capone uh, bobblehead as a trophy because we did it in Chicago. But uh, I'm wearing the Breaking Bad Tyvek suits because ours was is social media hazardous. So we came out with Team Breaking Bad in because we were saying it, we were we were posed on the it is hazardous mm -hmm, side. Mm -hmm. And it was myself and two others who very frequently utilize social media. So that was, of course, used by our audience or our, our opponents for how can you say it's bad? It, you use it all the time to which I replied. I didn't say it was bad. The question was, is hazardous. This hammer is good if I, you know, if I use it to build a house, but I could also use use a hammer for nefarious purposes. That's where there's a warning label on hammers. So, <laughs> amen to that. That's yeah, that's so I true. I mean, social media. That's exactly how it is. It it can be hazardous. Could be that, hazardous. That is a great. Right? Yeah, totally. It's a that's, tool. Uh, well, for sure. Yes, I think you can take it either direction. We see people take it both of those directions and. Uh, oh, I mean, you lucky for you having that background. I would have panicked. Not if my, so, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I do not, I'm an introvert, huge introvert getting up and presenting Ooh. to large groups, not my idea of fun. So, uh, I do okay behind the camera, but I'm talking to a camera. So as someone who's an introvert, um, and you like being behind the camera, I'm sure like that is a Instagram or, or, or media because it's on your own terms, on your own time. It's got to feel pretty good to to be able to use your own personality traits or type however you want to call it, introversion or extroversion and you do it on your pace and you get to get what you want out of it but not what you don't that's got to be pretty cool i think it's actually pretty cool i didn't you know i looking back choosing this career i wish somebody had helped me sort through that you know like how huh. a, a career that's really social versus one that's not social because when I taught, I taught at the college here for nine years, taught undergraduate kinesiology courses. And with the seniors in their internship class, we would do this thing called the strong inventory. It's sort of like a personality test, but oh, helps yeah, you yeah. with kind of career navigation. And I, uh, I took it myself and it was interesting that, you know, I did score high in physical therapy, but I scored higher in things like biology, just doing research or something where sort of because of that social um, it, leaning towards introversion kind of aspect. But I feel lucky in that social media and education through these online platforms really works well for my personality. You know, it would be much more draining. It was much more draining when I was up in front of people educating. Being able to provide educational content behind a camera kind of gives me a little bit of a barrier from that energy drain. So it's uh, it's actually the perfect thing for me. I mean, it's uh, it fits with a lot of my personality traits, these types of platforms. So. Man, I think about it all the time I go to bed at night. I'm just grateful to have to have it to, this thing to grow where it is. I mean, I you know, it wasn't a plan. I just got it was just right good timing and yeah. having had some experience and putting stuff out there and it's uh it, it, I'm thankful for it, you know. Yeah. We we mentioned Sky Donovan. She was sort of integral in in me launching a podcast. I was a student who saw a presentation, didn't get it, ran into the presenter at a conference at a bar and I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn something, dang it. And next thing you know, 15 minutes later, I understood everything and I was like, there's something here, man. Like that guy on stage and the guy in the bar were the same guy. Like 
What was different? Because I got something out of it. The people around me in the room got something out of it. And I think we just lucked out that it happened to be like 2015 when podcasting was sort of this weird, I get to run a radio station from my basement sort of thing, right? It's still pretty weird. And I get to do it from my kitchen. Um, but I, I literally, I didn't need permission, right? Because you don't need permission to do mostly anything on these stupid things, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and if I wanted to start my own radio station, I'd need a million dollars and an FCC license. But I asked her for, I don't know, maybe like, maybe it was permit. I was looking for like someone to say, no, that, you know what? Give that a shot, right? Just a little nudge. And she was someone who was like, I have no idea what podcasting is, but you seem really fired up about it. And I'm like, where? And she's like, where's like, what would happen if it didn't work? Or like, where could this go sideways? And I was like, I guess it just couldn't, like it could, but only if I did it wrong or whatever. And then she's like, I don't know, like do six of them. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's do six of them. And next thing you know, it's seven, almost eight. Oh my God. Almost eight years. Wow. Yeah. No, you like that background to be able to tie those things together. It's amazing when you see people who have these, you know, these strengths and areas and for you to take that previous career and we putting into something and, P and then take PT and spin those together and put pot good, valuable content out to people. I mean, I think unfortunately there's probably a lot of pts out there i know i've run into them over the years that are burned out on the normal pt job and want to be creative and come up with something else but you know i think just there's are scared to kind of make that leap and put themselves out there a little bit you know i don't think a lot of us as pts have that entrepreneurial not hardwired into a lot of us and right. um but i think it's cool you see something like what you're doing and i think it inspires people like oh i could create do something different that's, you know, not the standard right. PT job. What, when I speak at um, uh, schools, a lot of times I'll do my show live and I come out and sort of introduce myself because I'm, I'm and the, the cool thing for me is when I start, I do a show of hands. How many of the hundred students in, in attendance have never heard of my podcast? And a lot of times it's 50 more or more percent, uh, percent. And a friend of mine who was there once goes, does that throw you off? And I go, no, I'm in a room where I've got 50% of the room has never heard of me yet. And I got a chance to go, look what we can do together. And then I give him my story and I, and I end it by saying, I don't tell you my story to pat myself on the back. I just want you to, I want you to see that I just connected two random dots, PT and radio. Looking forward, it makes no sense. Looking backwards, obviously you see the connection. What I want to leave you with is what's your weird thing or what's your passion or background or thing that you could put a spin on this profession because trust me, we're better for it. We really are. Mm -hmm. Or we will yeah. be. For sure. Yeah, I think it's those kind of innovative, creative, th creative thoughts that are going to make people feel like what they're doing in the profession is more meaningful. They're going to be happy and it's going to end up helping more people. I mean, I just got lucky doing this that yeah. I knew I was passionate about education. And luckily, these social media thing platforms started, you know, just a little while before that. So you know, but I think it makes me realize now looking back on it that, and, and doing those things like the strong inventory, I think for people to think about, like, like you said, what am I interested in? Okay. I've got, maybe I've got this passion for kind of musculoskeletal stuff for training, exercise, whatever it is, what other interests do I have? How can I put those together creatively and, and really feel, you know, leave the end of the day, what I'm doing at work or feeling filled up from that not just emptied by all the time because i think right. there's way too many pts that are you know just unhappy and wish that they could get change what they're what's happening you know
I read a post today that said like, hey, if you're thinking about starting, and this was a, a content creator sort of giving advice or just a thought. And it was like, if you're if you're scared about starting because you think you'll be bad at it, no one will pay attention to you and you'll get criticized, you will on all those things. Do it, do it anyway, because you'll never be criticized by someone doing more than you. It's always mm -hmm. by someone less than you. So if you're really yep. passionate about it, give it a shot. Tom, you, you have a million followers on Instagram. It's not pie though. It's not pie. It's not like, well, he's there. He's done. No one else should start. I interviewed a girl a couple weeks ago. Her name's Kay. She started an Instagram account and got to 30,000 followers in like half a heartbeat. And it's called DPTs with anxiety, where she just talks about mental health strategy. And why does she do yeah. it? Because she suffers from mental health. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. If you were pitching that to a branding mm -hmm. company, they'd go, I don't know, seems too narrow. Well, the audience is the ultimate decider. And 30,000 people said, we like Kay and we like what she's saying. We get something out of it and we're going to give her our attention for it. And that's the cool part about, I think, all these different things. I love them. No, it's amazing. I saw when you had her on and I totally drive with that as somebody who's had struggles with anxiety. I was instantly like, this is amazing. She is taking, she's creating this creative new thing. Just what we talked about, some other interest or something she's passionate about tied with PT and creating this new thing. And look at what you, I think, you know, you do hear sometimes like, oh, it's so hard to get something going. It's so saturated right now. But I think she's a perfect case example of, and I know a number of people during COVID this happened where they just blew up and they just yeah. did something that was a little bit different spin. And, you know, you just test it. I think, like you said, you've got to know people are going to criticize you. People are going to say negative things. Things won't get like, you're going to evolve over time, but you just test things. That's all you're doing. Who cares? Like you can't really go too wrong. You just test it. You just got to get over feeling like it's perfect and scared of what other people are going to say and just test it. And if you really want to do something like this, just start doing it. Like, don't yes. worry so much. Just start doing it. I had to work. And this is where I get to go. Well, back in my day, I had to work up to the point where I got to run my own radio station, right? Because again, there really weren't social media channels before maybe the back half of my radio career. And I remember just being like, trying to explain this to my buddies who were not in radio. I'm like, I'm hanging out with you idiots on a Friday night. We come up with a stupid idea for a contest or a game or whatever. And then I put it on the air Monday and try it for a week or two. And it's so cool because it's a giant live, real time, no BS. People tell you whether they like something or not. If they think it's dumb, trust me, they will tell you. They have they do not need to be prompted. And it was really fun to see it radio as like a live social science experiment. And some of the ideas where I was like, this is not gonna work, it's so stupid, are the things that actually blew up the most, and vice versa. Oh, this is this is locked in. This is there's no way this will fail. Well, yeah, hold my beer. This will fail. And I think now that you have that power in your hand, this thing, this thing ran me out of radio. I saw this mm -hmm. coming and said, if I don't leave now, I'm gonna be on the Titanic, right? That I'm pointing mm -hmm. to the smartphone, the podcast audience. Yeah. Um, but what it does is it opens up a lot of opportunities. And I think the biggest differentiator between success and failure, people are gonna hate this is showing up repeatedly. I It's like neuro rehab, man. It's frequency. You keep showing up, people will find you. I couldn't agree more. Honestly, that's the thing I've learned the most of all is people will, will message me and how, what are some tips? How If I want to get going on this, what should I do? Hacks. And it's like, provide something of value and do it consistently. You have to just keep doing it consistently. It's a grind. It's a marathon. Find the thing. If you enjoy it, it won't feel like that. I'd like doing right. this every day. So right. you have to figure out how to remove those friction points 
find something you actually enjoy talking about or doing and then just do it repeatedly. And if you keep showing up and keep doing it, I know people hear this. I think a lot of people talk about this consistency aspect of success, but it is so true. I mean, I would have heard that before and been like, ah, oh, sure, whatever. But now having done it just every day, do something new. Sometimes things suck and flop and sometimes things are really good. I can't even predict it sometimes. And the algorithms change and you don't really know, but yeah. you just keep showing up. And if you keep doing that and you answer questions and provide value to people, it will grow. Those are the basics, right? Like, am I providing value? Yes or no? If you're not, what do you do? You better be entertaining then, right? That's what I said before. Like you, you educate or entertain or both. You better be entertaining. Listen, I'm fun, but I don't know if I'm, if I'm funny fun. Chris Hart, Chris Rock, they got that thing locked up, right? That funny thing, Bill Burr, they got that locked up. I ain't competing with them. But you don't have to be, someone said this the other day too, you don't have to be the best. You got to be the, try to be the only, try to be the mm -hmm. only you, right? Don't be the best of someone else. You're going to out Tom, Tom, good luck. Like good luck mm -hmm. to you, but you're going to be, that's a photocopy. Be the only yeah. whatever version. Look at Kay. She wasn't trying mm -hmm. to out be the best of anything. She's trying to be the most or the only K. So uh, yep. I love that. Again, I think it's a, uh, yeah, I think along those lines, it's totally true. Cause I know like there's people much smarter than me, know much more about different these areas I'm posting on. I, I think, I think people need to remember, like, you have an essence and that essence. I love that kind of like what, your energy and that essence. No one else can repeat. That's yours. And you it. just try to lean into that and just be confident in that. And you do have this information that can really help people. If you went to PT school, you've got information that can help people. And you try to use whatever essence is unique to you to get that information out there. And if you stay true to that and stay authentic and genuine to that over time, be consistent, help people, things will grow. Success will show up. It might not be the way you expect to, but I'm telling you some, I mean, every job I've had after PT school, this is not why I started a podcast as a second year student. Oh, it'll help me get a job. Trust me in 2014, 15, I wasn't thinking that that wasn't logical, but every job has either been, I meet someone or someone goes, yeah. And or I interview someone. I'm like, that guy seems cool. Like I would love to work with that person. And then we do. Um, so it doesn't have to be that, but man, the bumpability of being a good person at scale, that's really mm -hmm. what this is. This is shit. Tom sharing information like what our ancestors did in, in pictures and videos and sound and words around a campfire, except this campfire glows and you got to charge it up every once in a while. But <laughs> when you treat it like that, you're like, make good work well known. Um, mm -hmm. So how does yep. it feel? This is the last thing. Books available on Amazon. Where else can they get it? Like, give us, give us the author. Like, you're supposed to have this memorized, man. Like, hey, like, yeah, get dude, it here. My blah, elevator blah, blah, pitch. Blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Well, the book. Here's a for people viewing. There it is. Picture. There's the book. Yeah, red cover. Rehab science: How to overcome pain and heal from injury. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, side Target. View. Side view. Yes. Uh, yeah. Look how it's, thick uh, that thing is. That is beefy. Yeah, it's 496 pages. My publishing house, Victory Belt, kind of specializes in textbook size resource, uh, reference books for the general public. So, um, but yeah, you get on all those. I do have to say, this is something new that I learned, but uh, there are scammers on Amazon that will take your cover and list a book slightly cheaper. And I've had this happen to a bunch of people where they just mail them a blank notebook and people think they're getting my oh. book. So you have to make sure we're always constantly working with Amazon to take them down, but you have to make sure anytime you buy a book that the author's name is the actual author oh. of that book or you get scammed. So now that I pay attention, I've seen other books out there. I've seen scammers. So Replicate you've got to pay attention to that, but yeah. And people can always, you know, DM me if they need links to it or are concerned or where can yeah, I yeah. find it? I'm happy to respond yeah. to those. Perfect. All right. We, uh, we have a tradition on the show. It is called three questions. Are you ready to do three questions? Let's do it. 
Let's do it. All right, three questions uh, brought to you by our friends at uh, Physiotech. Would adding an additional 290 bucks per patient per quarter help your business? Well, remote therapeutic monitoring can do that. Physiotech can help you. I know you're like, ah, it's one more thing. I got to act in my practice and I'll get to it six, nine, 12 months from now. Uh, they can make it nice and easy. Improve clinic revenue, reduce provider frustration. We talked about that in burnout. Improve patient outcomes, which is what we're here to do. Find out how to get started with remote therapeutic monitoring at physiotech.ca. They're, they're Canadian, so it's a .ca. So physiotech.ca. All right, first question on three uh, questions is who is someone the audience should follow to learn more or should know more about? It's like your chance to give a nod to somebody else. Yeah, I would uh, right away say my buddy Caleb Burgess. He also just hit a million. He's actually at 1.1 now, but he uh, puts up great evidence-based orthopedic content. Uh, he and I are very similar in a lot of ways. OCS as well, just a great account. So I think his is doctor.caleb.burgess or something, but just look up Caleb Burgess and uh, also another right. great account for good, solid physical therapy content. We'll get him on here. And you know what? I forgot you, you, you wrote this book with someone else. Let's yeah, give you a chance to talk I, about your, the, your co-author. For sure. This book wouldn't have happened without him. His name's Glenn Cordoza. A lot of people will know Glenn because he's co-authored some other huge books, how to become Big a leopard. Kelly. Yes. Kelly Starr's book, Brett Contreras, his glute lab book. The opportunity to work with Glenn was an unbelievable opportunity. So it's really the main reason I jumped on this opportunity. And the book would not have happened without his extreme discipline and dedication to writing. I mean, it is a skill set to sit down and type for eight hours a day. So Glenn is unbelievable. Um, yeah, so major shout out to him too. All right. Second question is a what question. What's something the audience should take a look at if they want to take a deeper dive into some or all or any of the topics we talked about today that, that you're passionate about? What's something you'd send them to that you dig? Yeah. So I'd probably send them, you know, the thing that I often send people to right away are pain science resources. So I like to, because I just think it's so important, whether you're someone from the general population who might go to PT or a practitioner who didn't get a lot of this education in PT school, I think just learning more about pain, it's the number one symptom people seek care for. It's good yeah. to know about how your pain system works. So I often send people to, you know, the explain pain book is a great one. A lot of people, a lot of practitioners will know about, a lot of patients don't know about it in the U.S. I find. So the explain pain book is a really good one. Uh, there's another one that I like to use, um, a little spiral bound one called Why Do I Hurt that I think Adrian Lowe might have done. You know, so I think if I, that's where I, I like to send people a lot of time are to these kind of pain books. So you can first start learning about pain as you're on your journey, because probably that's the symptom most people are going to PT for. All right, final. I'll give you, I'll give you the, 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 the author's pitch, man. Uh, why should someone read this book? Why should someone out there read this book? Well, I think someone should read this book uh, for a lot of the reasons I just mentioned. It talks a lot about pain. So you can learn about pain. You can learn about injury. How are pain and injury similar? How are they different? And then not only do you have just this sort of like information about those, we actually have programs with pictures of me doing the exercises for the conditions that affect most humans. Even if you don't have something like this right now, most of us are going to get these things, tennis elbow, plantar fasciitis, sciatica, neck pain. We're most humans have pain at some point in their lives or some type of injury and the book will help you help you navigate those. Um, so yeah, I think that to me, it's, 
and I, I've said this before, it is a re, it's rehab science. It's a rehab book. But I think a lot of people in the general public don't understand that rehab exercises aren't for only when you're injured. Phase three of every program in here is resistance training. Resistance training has some of the best evidence for helping to reduce the risk of injuries. There are a lot of the exercises I would go to the gym and do just for my workout. So I think people can, this book is valuable and you can pick it up if you have pain or an injury and you want help with rehab, or you just want a reference that's going to help improve the health of your musculoskeletal system. All right. Rehab Science, How to Overcome Pain and Heal from Injury. We've got the link the legit link in the show notes below. Last thing we do on the show, Tom, is the parting shot. All right, parting shot brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. Uh, the leader in orthopedic PT looking to do something like an OCS, which we mentioned earlier. They've got a great roadmap, a great resource, and now their fifth edition. It is called Current Concepts of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Wherever you are to taking that OCS exam, to getting you feel ready on test day, that's what Current Concepts is, orthopt.org. All right, uh, parting shot, just la your last chance for a mic drop moment, soapbox. What would you want to leave with the audience today is the la last thing that they hear from you as we wrap up? Oh, man, I think the thing I would leave the audience with is that if you are suffering from pain or an injury, there is so much you can do for yourself when it comes to getting the right information, educating yourself, and then incorporating movement and exercise. And so... I hope people come away from discussions like this knowing that you don't need to go to someone to fix you, align you, you know, you have to keep returning to be healthy. Exercise and movement have the best evidence and so I hope whether it's from my book or accounts like mine or others online feel empowered to, you know, that there's a lot they can do for themselves from both an education and a movement standpoint. All right, my, my PT, uh, my PT uh, family tree uh, share, Tom Walters at Rehab Science. Appreciate taking the time out. Thanks for putting this resource together, and uh, we hope to hear from you again in the future, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Great discussion. Thanks, Jimmy. They say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. 
University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.